The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Welcome to CPR Unplugged. I am your host, Jess. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you've got going on today, thank you so much for joining us. I am actually joined by a returning guest. Marie was in episode 19 and she shared with us her personal experiences with postpartum depression. And she's here today to talk to us about maternal mental health. Marie, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate this opportunity to kind of circle back and talk about this uh, topic kind of from, you know, catching up from where I kind of left off last time. Yeah. So I'm curious and I definitely encourage people to go back and listen to that episode because it was such a dynamic and moving episode for sure. I'm curious how sharing that experience uh, influenced where you are now, how things have been moving forward for you. Where are you at in your journey? Yeah. um, And that's kind of why I wanted to come back on the podcast. So thank you so much for asking. Um, I, back, back when I did the podcast, um, the first time, I was very much, I had just gotten my associate level license. I had just finished grad school. I was working in substance abuse at a, at a facility. And then um, I, I can't remember if COVID had already hit or it hit right around that time, but either way, COVID happened. And that definitely changed the direction that I was taking with my career. Like I had always kind of been drawn to substance use and I loved trauma and I loved all of that. But then right around the time that COVID hit, I actually like couldn't stay at the substance use facility anymore. And I decided to um, join someone's private practice. And that it was a completely different dynamic for me. And it really did make me think about like, what is the client that I want to work with? And so I thought about the experiences that I had had. And I had a, a couple of moms that I ended up connecting with and they were working on, you know, uh, either postpartum depression or um, depression that had started since they'd gotten pregnant. And I found myself just absolutely like I would light up when I would work with these clients. Like it just, it just resonated with me so much. And it, I, I just got very much into, um, that. And then not too long after that, like I was, I was very much kind of recognizing, I loved working with, you know, new moms, new parents, you know, talking about the communication, talking about how much your life changes, talking about this big adjustment that is parenthood and motherhood and like how things go with your partner, all of that. And I just loved all that. And then I think it was in 2021, the Arizona Department of Health scholarships, like a bunch of Arizona practitioners to be able to take the postpartum support international maternal mental health training, both the basic and the advanced. So, I mean, I leapt at that opportunity and took both the trainings and just loved it because a lot of it was affirming for me that I was already doing a lot of these things already, but it really did open my eyes to how, how much there is a need for this um, and how, how a lot of new parents, specifically the birthing parents or moms um, really do struggle And a lot of the times they don't either feel good asking for help or they don't know how, where to find it, or they can't afford it or whatever the case is. And that just, to me, 
became so much of a part of like how I've done my private practice in general. Like I have a lot of sliding scale spots. I will oftentimes like scholarship mom sessions just so I can work with them because I like working with them so much. Um, and it is, it's kind of like a near and dear, like it's important to me for a lot of reasons. Do you find that a lot of the people who seek you out, the fact that you have personal experience, I, I saw on your website that you do indicate you have personal experience with postpartum. Is that uh, a quality that they look for, something that's important to them? Yes, I also um, actually have a really good friend who's also a counselor and um, he's a man and he did the same training. And so I find it really depends on the individual. So I find sometimes moms or women who are going through that really do want that. They want somebody who has that lived experience who can actually like personally relate to the struggles and it can tell them like, this is normal. People, we go through this. It's okay. Like I can normalize it from a point of I've been through this. So I, I, I can tell you it's okay. And then um, when I talked to this friend of mine, I was telling him that, and he said, he's actually noticed that some women need the opposite. They need a man to kind of be like, I have no idea what you're going through, but I believe you, <laughs> you know, um, because sometimes they don't get that. They're not getting that from their partners or, you know, whatever the case is. So I think it, it really depends on the person, but for a lot of the, a lot of the people I work with, I think they do find a lot of comfort in having another person, another mom who's been through that, tell them like, you're not crazy. This is like, you're okay. You know, you're not a bad mom. You, you, it's not that you don't love your baby. It's that you're going through this, you know, you're going through postpartum. This is a huge adjustment. Like you miss, there's a grieving period for the life that's not there anymore, like your use of your time. Like there's so many different parts of it that I think moms get and all parents, but moms particularly get very like down on themselves about and they judge themselves. And so it's nice to have another mom go, no, that's not, <laughs> you're all right. You know, I can imagine there's a lot of these experiences that are these very shared kind of similar relatable experiences but do you also see a lot of diversity in these mothers' experiences as well, and fathers' experiences too? Oh, absolutely. I think that again, we're all kind of these very unique snowflakes. Like, yes, there's um, there's a lot of overlap, and I do see um, a lot of trends. But every pregnancy is different, and every single birthing experience is different, and every single you know di- relationship dynamic is different. And so, I really do try to you know, while I can kind of connect those overarching themes, I really do leave a lot of room for them to tell me about how things work for them. Because like, for me, I didn't have a traumatic birth. Like my birth was actually very seamless. Like, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better birthing experience, like six hours, you know, it was fine. Um, But a lot of women have very traumatic births or their, their birth is so far from their birthing experiences so far from the birth plan that they had created that that in itself is this loss of you know like I wanted a golden hour or I wanted to do it all naturally and then I had to have a c-section you know so there's so many things that we don't get to control and I think that's I always leave space for that you know and then there's some people whose partners are super supportive and then there's some people whose partners are you know, kind of supportive, but then can't relate or they're not very empathetic. And then there's the people on the other end who just like are maybe doing this on their own. So I mm. think it's, I, um, no two are ever exactly alike and that's perfectly fine, but I do see a lot of trends. And I think that that's what makes it so exciting for me to work with these moms, because like, 
yes, I can pick out the parts that are similar, but then I can also be like, you know, you went through this and that's, you know, that's, it's, that's yours. Mm -hmm. That experience is yours. When you went through that specialized training at any point, was there a session or uh, information about partners, spouses? Yeah. And I think that um, they actually did a really good job of kind of discussing the importance of the other non-birthing partner, um, whoever that is. So um, I thought they did a pretty good job of making the language inclusive to include like LGBTQ families and, um, you know, like trans parents who are not necessarily that don't identify as moms, but are the birthing parent. And I thought they actually did a really good job of normalizing postpartum depression because although it is a lot more rare, men can often suffer some postpartum depression symptoms, even though they, they are like, their experience is totally different. Like it's very non-physical, but like they will go through mood changes. They will go through depressions. They will have trouble connecting with their children or feeling emotionally connected, you know, and I think the non-birthing parents often get like, they have a completely different experience, but it is still like your whole world changes no matter what. Like, I don't know a single human out there who has a child and they're like, oh, my life's totally the same. Like, that's not how it goes. And I think, um, and as a woman, and I get that this, there is this, this thing, like as the woman who like grew the baby, birthed the baby, went through postpartum depression, like my body changed a ton. If my partner had come to me and go like, I'm having postpartum depression, I would have been like, no, that is my thing. That is not your thing. Like (laughs) that is off limits for you. But I think that that's honestly a little bit unfair. Like, yes, it's not the same experience for them. They don't go through all the body changes. They don't go through the hormones. They don't do that, but they, there is that adjustment. And so like, they can very much be in that period of like, I, I don't know how to handle this huge change. I don't know how to handle the shift in responsibility. I don't know, you know, if they're sharing responsibilities, like they could also be extremely tired and extremely worried about the future. And like, so there's a lot of things that I feel like it's, it's good to focus on both parents and not just the one that might be, you know, having the hardest time. And then another thing that I always, I always try to talk about with families is communication is like a huge part of this, because if you're feeling one way, but you don't know how to communicate it, or they're feeling like, I can't, I can't be feeling this way because I'm, you know, whatever, or I don't know how to ask for things or, you know, when you're tired, you just get snippy with the other person. I, I try to do a lot of communication work with the mothers and the, just the parents that I work with in general, because I think that it's such an important time to learn how to do that because you are going to need those skills as this child continues to grow, no matter what, like your relationship is going to continue to evolve and change each stage is going to require, you know, it's going to have new challenges and it's going to require new things. And so I really try to resource my parents as much as I possibly can and prepare them for, this is the, this is a hard stage, but every stage that comes after that is going to be hard in a different way. So if you develop the skills and you have them, those are going to serve you throughout the lifespan of your child. I love that. That's awesome. So to get an idea of kind of the spectrum of of postpartum specifically, and we're going to talk about maternal mental health as well, what that means and what that covers. Um, But to stay on postpartum Mm -hmm. for just a second here, is it something that people experience for 
years? Is it, does it, do people experience it in different ways? Is it always depression or does it show up in other ways? That's a fantastic question. Um, I, so the, the way that they sort of define it um, through like an official diagnosis criteria is usually it's postpartum issues and now they call them post uh, postpartum mood disorders. So PMADs, um, I forget exactly the thing that that, so instead of PMDD, which it used to be, which is post postpartum maternal uh, depression or whatever it was, now it's PMADs, which is a little bit more broad because it's not just depression. You can have postpartum anxiety, you can have postpartum OCD, and you can even go into the world of like postpartum psychosis. So there's a very big spectrum about how this experience affects different women and or, or people. And a lot of it will be, um, there's a lot of determining factors. You know, your environment is huge. The resources you have are huge and any previous mental illness diagnosis. So like if you've had OCD in the past your chances of getting either peri or postpartum OCD are higher, but it's also not a guarantee. Kind of like with all mental health issues, there's indicators that we can look to to kind of help us, but it, nothing is absolutely predictive. And so that they define that that period where you can be experiencing postpartum issues as anytime during the perinatal period, so anytime during your pregnancy, all the way through a year after giving birth or not being pregnant anymore. So for some people, like if they, if they have a miscarriage, sometimes that postpartum period can be up to a year after that, or if they terminate, same thing. I think that's Um, so interesting to like point that out, that it's not just, I, I didn't honestly, and I know I'm talking from my own ignorance here. This is not a topic I have a lot of uh, experience with, but I didn't even think about the fact that postpartum is perinatal. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And also individuals who, for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know the right terminology. Didn't go to term. Didn't carry to term. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I, I hope that that is normalizing for, for someone out there, for some listeners out there to recognize that postpartum is not solely just after you've had a baby. Oh, absolutely not. And like, you will often see, and this is something that and I've, I've worked with, with women who, um, and individuals who weren't pregnant. They were my clients already got pregnant. Some of them, um, had miscarriages or things or, or, you know, had to terminate for whatever reason, and then, you know, had another pregnancy. And so I've kind of been now, because I've been in this for about three years ish, I've had a, a lot of different variations and like come in at a lot of different stages of this experience for different people. And I mean, some postpartum or some maternal mental health issues can start absolutely like when they get pregnant, you know, there can be heightened and it's very normal, like heightened anxiety, like will my, and especially after miscarriage, there's the whole, like, can I trust my body? Is it, can I, can I allow myself to get excited and attached to this pregnancy emotionally? Or do I need to wait to a certain point? There's always kind of that, like, you know, like a sense of foreboding joy. Like I don't want to get too excited because what if something bad happens or that depression or like not, not feeling connected to the pregnancy or not feeling excited. Like, you know, they, they thought they would, or they wanted to, or, you know, there's a lot of the compare and despair. Like, Oh, I see these people on social media who are, you know, taking pictures and talking about how excited they are. And like, they love being pregnant and I hate it, you know, and they're, (laughs) 
they're just so like down on themselves because of of all of this and that can start right away so I try my best to work with like let's you know like let's process that let's like again it's a lot of normalizing this is okay. It doesn't mean that you're not going to love your baby when it's born. It doesn't mean you're not going to connect. It just means that you hate being pregnant and that's all right. (laughs) This is, it's not very fun. I did not like it, you know, and it was very emotionally taxing. And I was, I mean, my environment at the time with the relationship I was in, everything was just pure chaos and totally unsupportive. So I always try to normalize that whatever experience you're having as a, as a pregnant person, it's, it's okay. And it there, it doesn't have to look one way or it means you're not doing it right or whatever, you know, the case is. So tell me a little bit about maternal mental health. What all does that encompass? So I think a lot of people, I mean, will define this differently depending on how you talk to you. But for me, when I think of maternal mental health, I like to think of a person who is a parent and their mental health not only in relation to being a parent, but just how they conceptualize themselves as a human being. So making sure that they have proper support, making sure that they have resources and tools, making sure that they are basically being able to function in this new capacity, but also, you know, being able to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is going to change at every step of, you know, a human's life period, like no matter what they go through. Um, I think we have a tendency and I'm glad this is happening, but I'm hoping like my goal, one of my goals in my career is to kind of broaden out this instead of just postpartum, let's focus on, and not just maternal, but parental mental health throughout. Mm -hmm. Because I think like everything feels so acute in the post, the peri and postpartum phase. Like it is such a big change, especially if it's your first child everything is so new and different. Like your world has been totally turned upside down. And if you're feeling bad, there's this, you know, there's this, okay, I need to reach out for help because everything is so different. But I have seen parental mental health issues crop up that like maybe they didn't have postpartum depression, but then when their child was four, they got diagnosed with a special needs, you know, they got diagnosed with dyslexia or ADHD or something like that. And things got really hard and they were having trouble reaching out. Cause like, well, I'm not postpartum, like I'm not postpartum depressed, but I'm, you know, what's going on with my child is definitely affecting my mental health. And I want, I want to really focus on people's mental health in terms of them being a parent. So I don't care how old your child is. And again, like coming from the treatment world with recovery from substance use, I saw a lot of parents whose kids were going through uh, rehab and they were having like, that's an entire struggle on its own. Like, how do I support a child who's an adult, but is in, you know, in in recovery and trying to, you know, battling a substance use. So I think like parents often put their needs on the back burner because Mm -hmm. that's what we do. We put our children first. If we get them everything they need and we don't take care of ourselves a lot as much as we need to. And I think that to me is like maternal mental health is just learning how to take care of ourselves so that we can show up for our kids no matter what's happening. Well, and it's so overlooked. You know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, oh my gosh, yes, I can imagine your kiddo gets diagnosed with something and then there's the resources for that, right? You know, let's let's Mm -hmm. look at medication, let's look at rehabilitation, let's look at therapies and all these things. 
I don't think I've ever once heard, but what do you need? Like, how are you mm-hmm. processing this? How is this affecting you? Right. And I, I know this specifically for, for parents with kids with um, special needs, they feel guilty if they're not giving 110% or always putting their kid first or thinking about themselves or but it's taxing. I mean, it is very taxing. It's taxing mm-hmm. to be a parent, but then to have extra things going on on top of that, it just is so hard to prioritize yourself without all of the parent guilt or, you know, thinking like, I shouldn't be feeling this way, or I should be fine, or I should be able to handle it, or all of the shitting that we do on ourselves, you know, as a mm-hmm. parent. Yeah, well, I feel like because it's like this, I should be a fountain of unending patience, right? Like, <laughs> I can't <laughs> I love and joy and entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and even just like, your kids are going to know the difference between I never engage with them. And there are times in my life when I was so exhausted that I couldn't do all the things and that's all right. Like we are not never ending springs of energy like our children are. (laughs) Um, And we go through things and it's not like we can't show up the same way every day. We can show up with a hundred percent of what we have every day. But some days that's going to be 50% and some days that's going to be 70%. But like, I bring everything I have to the table, but sometimes it's just like not that much. That's fair. That's absolutely fair and human. Yes. And I think we, we as parents feel bad about that and we need to be kinder with ourselves about that. Mm, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. What about before a baby? Like, do you ever have people come to you and say, I'm feeling guilty because I don't want kids or I don't know if I want kids or I don't know how to decide whether or not I want kids. Oh yes. So I actually have uh, my sister is one of those people like my younger sister. um, She's a couple of years younger than me was a huge part of my support system. When I was going through my postpartum issues, she actually moved in with me when my son's dad and I broke up and has been a huge part of my son's life since he was one. She does not want kids. And I have several clients who are in the same place. Like they, they don't want kids for whatever reason they have. And I, I feel like they oftentimes are made to feel not guilty, but like there's this, this sense of like, oh, well, once you have a child, you'll feel differently and you won't know love until you have a child. And like, there's a lot of this kind of like your life isn't complete until you have kids kind of nonsense in my opinion that I mean I feel like some people we are whole people just the way we are and not everybody wants to go through that and it's not that she doesn't love kids she doesn't love being an aunt like my sister's all into that but like she just doesn't want that for herself right now and Mm -hmm. I don't think and I think we need to recognize how the messages that we get from society and like our families and like oh well you'll feel differently later if you you know and like oh you know like that's like we have to be parents to have value. That's, that is just, no, I reject that a hundred percent. But a lot of people, you know, and I've even talked with, with women who have struggled with fertility and they've been like trying to get pregnant and it's not working and they feel like they're, they're doing something wrong or this is their fault or, you know, there's a lot of that, like I, you know, or I'm being punished or whatever. And I think that that's just, we live in this, in this society where there's so many pressures, like you need to be a parent, you need to have th- this and you need to be doing this and it needs to look mm-hmm. like this or. And damn you it, know, you better like, enjoy it and feel good about it all the time. 
Yes. And it must be like this pretty Instagram highlight reel. And, you know, you chase butterflies to get like it's and none of that is real. Like none of that's true and real. And it's all very distorted. And so I, I've worked with several, several of my clients and I'm always encouraging my sister too. And she's done a lot of work about learning how to set boundaries with the people who start giving them a hard time about like, I don't have to explain to you why I don't want kids. I don't like, that's the decision that I've made. I feel good about it. I don't know what the future holds. Maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I won't. Like the point is I, I know how to process when I have those messages, if they're hurtful, if they, you know, and then set boundaries around, you know, this isn't an appropriate topic for now, or, you know, like we've already had this conversation and I'm not having it anymore. I'm going to walk away from that or whatever they need to do to feel good and feel confident in, in the decision that they've made Mm. for, you know, for whatever, again, like your reasons for doing that are really nobody's business. (laughs) They aren't, you know, it's, and I feel like sometimes everybody's like, oh, you don't want kids? Why? Like, who cares? Like, that's, I, I just don't. Leave me alone, you know? So your practice really runs the gamut. There's a lot of different things that you touch on. <laughs> and so interrelated, though. Yeah. And that's what I like about it is that oftentimes they, these aren't just like compartmentalized issues that come up. Like they are, there's a lot of interrelatedness and there's a lot of, you know, I always connect things back to you know, through an REBT lens, I do a little little bit more REBT than I do CBT. So, you know, like your belief systems and how you're processing your emotions and what, what you think this event means about you. And so a lot of like, you know, meaning making and just kind of really understanding you as a whole person, whether that's as a parent, whether that's as somebody who's chosen not to be a parent, whether that's somebody who is starting the journey, you're midway through the journey, you know, you're all the way at the end of the journey, whatever it is, you know, how how either being a parent, not being a parent or getting ready to be a parent is mixed in with everything you're going through. Well said. If you had to give the elevator talk of advice (laughs) for anyone listening to this that might be thinking about reaching out for help or might be questioning where they are in their own journey, what would you say? Just do it. I mean, it's one of those things, like if you're thinking about it, that means it's valid. Um, and I think that so many people, we, we get into our head about being in our head and we're like, no, I should be able to handle this. I should be able to figure it out. I should, you know, no, if you're thinking that you want to reach out for help, just do it. Like, it's one of those, like, if you rip the bandaid off and the sooner you do it, a lot of the times you will feel better sooner. Like it's, yeah, just do it. That's what I say to people. <laughs> is there anything that we didn't cover in our discussion today that you think is important to share? No, I think we covered a lot. Um, I have a tendency to talk very fast. So I'm <laughs> sure I got, you know, and this is something I feel like I could talk about forever, but I feel like we, we very much covered kind of how I've evolved and like gotten more into this topic since my journey first started. And I'm just so glad that I've gone this way. I really am. It sounds like you're very fulfilled and passionate where you're at right now. I feel pretty, pretty grateful, pretty thankful that, um, that things have worked out the way they have. Yeah. I would definitely say that. That's awesome. So if people are looking for more information or they're looking to connect with you, where can people find you? 
Um, so they can, my website is the best, mariesloancounseling.com. I have a lot of different resources. I have a resource page on my uh, website that can direct people to like the PSI website. I try to have a lot of resources available, but there's a contact form. Um, right now I am taking new clients and I will be having insurance on board around the beginning of next month. So I'm excited about that. So, yeah. Awesome. And then if anybody heard any yips and growls in the background, you have a dog with you. I do. This is my little old, his name is Forrest. He's about 15. He's my rescue dog and he is getting restless. So I've got... That's awesome. Okay. So Marie like, is also a dog person. And cats. We also have cats. Right. I'm a both dog and cat person. So yes, they Can't often forget about the guest spot. <laughs> I love it. Well, we love yeah. we love when the animals show up in this podcast. Um, can't forget about the fur babies too, right? Like, <laughs> no, the original. I have. He's one of my original fur babies. He was with me before I even had my son. So, <laughs> had him for like fifteen years. But yes, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Got questions or ideas for the podcast? Or perhaps you have your own story to share. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcast. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara Lamonte, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magalinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.